Why do you think the quality of the audio matters in a podcast? What do you think that does for specifically the branded podcasts, but in general? It just feels better to listen to somebody who sounds good. That it is definitely does, a good point. You know, and <laughs> yeah. there's all kinds of articles you can read about the psychology of you sound smarter when you sound better, you sound more trustworthy when you sound better. So it's not about manipulating people. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. Here's the first part of my interview with Molly Ruland. My next guest is the CEO and founder of HeartCast Media, a digital content agency focused on content marketing for founders, CEOs, coaches, and brands. She specializes in producing high-quality branded video content for businesses that want to generate revenue and create strategic relationships through content marketing. She's a frequent speaker about the business of podcasting, marketing, and content creation. She believes that listening is the revolution. I couldn't agree more. And it is evident in the work she produces, with multiple podcasts in the top 10% of downloads. She currently lives in Costa Rica with her four dogs and runs her global business remotely. Her name is Molly Ruland, and she has a lot of knowledge when it comes to branded podcasts, helping beginners sound good and getting right to the heart of what a branded podcast can and can't do for a company. She very generously shares her knowledge with us today, so stay tuned. As always, if you have questions for my guest, you're welcome to reach out through the links in the show notes. If you have questions for me, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com, where you'll find a lot of ways to get in touch. Plus, subscribing to the newsletter will let you know when the new podcasts are available. And if you're getting some value from listening, feel free to spread that around and share it with a friend, along with leaving an honest review. Both those things really help, and I'd love to feature your review on future podcasts. You can leave one either in written or in voice format from the podcast's main page. I would so appreciate that. And now, here's my interview with Molly Ruland. Thank you for joining me, Molly. It's great to see you here. And uh, it's been a while, actually, since the last time we talked. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure so has. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Yeah. Uh, how's your week been so far? I mean, it's probably been, what, over a month since we saw each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, it sure has. You know, I've been working entirely too many hours. Um, oh, I, I wouldn't like, know what that's about at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I worked like 17 hours last Friday, like at oh. my desk, my feet were swollen. And so this past weekend, I did no work. And then I bounced it out a little bit. You know what I mean? So I'm still kind of yeah. tired, honestly, from my weekend of not working. <laughs> well, you know, it's all in, in relative terms, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You need a balance. Balance is good. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you first, if you have an early memory of how sound moved you. If that's something that you've thought of in your past to get you where you are today. 100%. So I grew up with the chieftains in my living room. So I grew up in a very 
very, very Irish family. So, uh, you know, in fact, one St. Patrick's Day, I called my mom and I said, how Irish am I? And apparently I'm both my parents are 95% or more Irish, which is somewhat problematic, but that's another conversation. But we grew up uh, doing all the very traditional Irish things. I, I played the tin whistle. I played the concertina, which is like a 42-keyed bellowing instrument that no one will ever need me to play. Um, I could read music. Uh, we, we did the traditional Irish dancing. You know, we were really, really involved. And so we would go to Kaylee's wow. and Fesh's. And so I grew up with the Irish ballads, Danny Boy, all these, the Bowron, which is a very like emotional, uh, intense Irish drum. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it, it's very, um, it's a very emotional, we're an emotional group, us Irish people, you know what I mean? And it, and it okay. transfers through in our, in our music. And so I, I grew up uh, surrounded by music and musicians. That is a wonderful way to be. I I admire that. I had a lot of that myself, not with the Irish tradition. <laughs> That's another level of intensity right there. <laughs> For sure. But uh, but yeah, definitely growing up with music and being in in involved in music and enveloped in music is a really wonderful way to grow up. So. Yeah, that's nice that you got to experience that. Um, and, and then, like, how did you get interested in sound in general? I mean, what drew you to what you're doing now? You know, that's a really good question. I think it was just kind of a natural, you know, pivot and journey in, into that. Um, you know, we, we, again, we're so Irish and involved in all the activities. And, you know, it wasn't just the music. It was everything surrounding it. And so I kind of organically shifted into that in my 20s as well and started doing events. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, like I'm a connector and I get really excited about things. And if I hear some music that I really like, I want everybody to hear it. And so it was a very natural, um, you know, excitement based uh, motivation for me. Uh, and yeah, I think it was just what I was always meant to do, you know, and, and asking my mom, you know, how Irish am I? I mean, I come from a long line of like bartenders and bootleggers and performers. Uh, when my family immigrated to America uh, in the potato family, famine, some of them ended up in Pennsylvania and had a wayward house for musicians and entertainers. Uh, one of my ancestors' shoes are in the Smithsonian for being a famous <laughs> dancer. So, I mean, perfect. I, I don't think there was any way that I couldn't end up surrounded by music and, you know, I mean, our tagline was good music, good people, good time. So that kind of sums up my life, you know. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> a good way to be. <laughs> Not terrible. Not terrible. Yeah. Well, speaking of a good way to be, though, you're in Costa Rica now, right? Indeed. So what made you move there? Um, well, you know, it was, I think in the pandemic, we, we were all given the gift of really trying to get a handle on what it is that we want out of life. And that was because a lot of things were taken from us. A lot of things changed. And a lot of doors also opened because of all that hardcore change, you know? So I had a brick and mortar studio in downtown DuPont Circle, DC. I couldn't imagine how my 10-year Costa Rica plan was gonna really fit in with my very brick and mortar business, but it was the game plan. And then the pandemic hit and I closed my studio because, you know, the, the mayor had locked down the city and, you know, um, the, the building owner was saying, no, you, you know, we didn't lock the doors. And I'm saying, we're not gonna defy the mayor. <laughs> to go record a podcast. Let's keep things in perspective, people. 
But I, I knew it was going to happen. So I closed that lease early and I just went fully remote because, you know, what what we're really focused on is definitely coming from a high quality audio backbone, but branded podcast as a business development tool. So it's actually, we get a lot of pushback with clients using their microphones, which is somewhat annoying, to be honest, as somebody really? who's an audiophile. I'm like, just <laughs> use, like, do I have to use this? I'm like, yes, that's why I mailed it to you. Oh um, my goodness. Yeah, you know, but- Oh, that would drive me crazy. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm like, they're like, does it really matter? I'm like, it doesn't necessarily matter on LinkedIn, but it matters on iTunes. Like if you're on if an you audio- If you want first, someone to listen to you, it matters. It does. And, and you know, every Everybody that's bought a microphone and uses it all the time, they tell me all the time, oh, it's the best decision I ever made. I'm like, yeah, I know. But anyway, so we're really focused on business development. So when the pandemic hit, my clients still needed to do networking and get in front of other people more so than ever because there weren't conventions and networking meetings. And so we just, I said, I'm going to do remote better than everybody else as quick as possible. And I figured out the back end settings of Zoom. And I got on Riverside, I swear, like, the month they made it available. I mean, I was, I was on top of that cutting edge to figure out how we could do it better and custom backdrops and, and create high quality produced content for our clients, even in this remote new world that we're living in. Um, we grew the business 200% in 2020. And I said, you know, what if I don't like Costa Rica? <clears throat> what if I wait 10 years and I get there and I don't like it? And I thought, well, the hell with it. I'm going right now. You know, I'm going to go Why right not? now. If there was ever a time <laughs> for me to test these waters, my, half my team is global, half are stateside. I said, well, why can't I be global too? And I figured, let me see if I really like it. Let me go down. Let me get my clients accustomed to the fact that I'm not in the same country as them. And, it, and I better do it now. And I did. So I left two years ago and uh, I stayed about a year, then bought a house. So I'm all in. And uh, I, I, now is that we've actually grown our client bases global, you know, uh, so it's it certainly hasn't hurt my business in any way, shape or form. Um, sure. It's just a different different way of life for sure. That is fantastic. So you you do like it there then, obviously. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. I love what's, it. The, what's the differences? Is it like just more relaxed? Is it, you know, what are, what do you love about that? Yeah, I mean, no place is perfect, and we have our own version of crime and, you know, things here. So you can't really compare, you know, apples to apples. But I love that I'm, I'm more in tune with nature. Like, this is the, like, there was a full moon the other night, and it's the week before the rainy season, and this is the best time to plant things. And I wouldn't have, I never knew that in D.C. for the last 20 years. I didn't even know when the sun was set. I didn't, I couldn't tell you what was going on because I was surrounded by concrete buildings all the time. And I rode a bike for seven years, so I was in nature more than the average bear, mm -hmm. you know, and still was so disconnected from it. And so living here and just, um, you know, no, noticing that I can't sleep as good when there's a full moon and just, just being so much more, you know, it's the littlest, tiniest things, spending time in my garden, getting dirt under my fingernails, um, feeling the sun on my skin. It's just the simplicity of life. I think that if I was in my twenties or thirties, I might be a little bored here, but I also live in a very rural area, but now okay. I'm 47 and I threw parties for a living and I am thrilled to be in bed with my ipad at 8 30. you I am are like done <laughs> happy i'm like legit like i could i, I don't want to be anywhere else in the world right now than right yeah. here with my ipad like honestly so uh, you know it's not for everybody but it's for yeah. me for sure well that's great it's good to be where you feel connected 
in any way. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's good to be connected in general. But yeah, it's nice to hear that the business didn't suffer over the pandemic, too. I know that with voiceover, a lot of the remote stuff that I was already doing really made it easy for me to continue working. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, that, like, I've had a, a studio, I mean, basically since 2010. <laughs> so, right. you know, it just keeps on getting better as the years pass and more technology comes into play. And, you know, Riverside for the podcast, which started in 2019 before the pandemic, actually. So, right. yeah, it's 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 been an interesting journey to see where all of this takes us technological wise, you know, so uh, I'm glad to see that you've worked it all out and your team can be anywhere they want to be and remote works well. And uh, I can definitely add a, a uh, recommendation for Riverside because I love it. <laughs> so it, yeah, it's great. It's just such a different like quality of, you know, if you're going to go remote, then this is a, a great way to get it done for sure. Do you want to sound your absolute best when you're being interviewed on a podcast or when you're hosting your own show? I have a podcast episode and free downloadable worksheet called Sounding Your Best as a Podcast Guest off of the audiobrandingpodcast.com main page. Just click on the little square graphic to the left of the player displaying my podcast trailer. It gives you some comprehensive suggestions for where to start or for improving the sound you already have including the type of microphones to consider and why, ideas for soundproofing your recording environment, and suggestions on how to get the best sound when you're being remotely recorded on services like Riverside FM or Squadcast. Don't let bad audio quality hold you back from being the best podcast guest or host you can be. And of course, if you happen to need voiceover for your intro and outro, feel free to get in touch. I'm happy to help. And now, back to the podcast. So what are some of the considerations that you think a podcaster should think of when they're starting out and just getting their equipment? I know that you are you said that you send equipment to the people that you do branded podcasts with. Mm -hmm. So what equipment do you send? Uh, I, we send the same thing I'm on right now, a, a pair mm -hmm. of wired earbuds, low profile, the Shure MB7 and a boom arm. Uh, because I don't think there's any better setup. Uh, you don't you don't need cans if you're not editing. Um, you know, a lot of people complain messing up their hair. I'm like, well, you, good news, you don't need it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. I don't need to look like Princess Leia on no, camera. Exactly. Unless that's your thick, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then don't no. let me stand in the way of progress. Yeah. But, you know, uh, <laughs> other than that, if not, but... Um, it's just such a user-friendly mic. Like most people don't even know there's an app and it still works pretty good. You know what I mean? Straight out of the box with the far mode. And, you know, it could definitely be better. People still are terrible at mic technique. I blame stock photos for sure. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty user-friendly. You know what I mean? Like even out of the box. And I love that it plugs into your laptop or if you are in a studio situation, it's got the XLRM. It's just a versatile microphone that can grow with you. Uh, and I, you know, you know, my biggest pet peeve is when people don't like buy the Yeti and I'm like, you know, the Yeti's more expensive than the, like, you know, don't like, I think podcasting is the one thing that it's, it's the only like thing where people are like buy the crappiest piece of equipment possible. And then if it were like, <laughs> you don't go to the store and say, buy the crappiest bottle of wine. And if I like it, then I'll buy the expensive nowhere yeah. else into, into your life. Do you go with that <laughs> attitude? But for some reason with podcasting, everybody wants the hosting to be free, the microphone to be free, everything uh, to be free. And it's like, yeah. well, you know, 
if you sound like you're in a tuna can or a trash can, you're not going to get the results you, you're looking for. So I would say if you're starting out just by, you know, 350 bucks, you're all in. This kit will last you like 10 years, probably, honestly. Mm -hmm. You know, shore microphones are tanks, oh, yeah. literally tanks, you know, yeah. and they'll replace it, I'm sure, if you have any issues with it. Uh, and that's, I think, 97% of the battle is having a good microphone. Yeah, yeah. I find that um, knowing which end is the one to be speaking in is a good one. <laughs> super helpful as well. That's super helpful. For yeah. sure. <laughs> also being close to the mic. Like yes. I've noticed a lot of people are sitting so far away that you can hear all of the room around them. And if you're not going to treat your room, that's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. And people just don't understand. That's another battle too. I'm always like, where's your mm -hmm. mic? And then they're, they like go off camera as yeah. they're reaching for it. I'm like... No. Why do you think this is HBO? There's nobody with a boom arm over you. You need to put the microphone like Yeah. I don't know. I blame stock photos and Johnny Carson because you know, like they always have the microphone on the desk, but it's like it's mm -hmm. not actually plugged in, but people think that it'll work from four feet away. It's like, no, you know. A yeah, shotgun no. mic will work from four feet away, but that's not what's on your desk, you know what I mean? Yeah, so <laughs> it will. And and but for speaking, I mean you know, that's what I use for my voiceovers. <laughs> right. But I'm this far away from it. You know, right. I'm I'm pretty close. Even that microphone. So, exactly. Yeah, even that microphone. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I blame stock yeah. photos. I, I'm on a mission. <laughs> Maybe if we're at a podcast convention together, we should get a photographer and we should just take a bunch of new ones showing people how to Real actually ones. use their microphones because... Yes. Oh my, I mean, you you could search for days to those repositories of photos, and it's just one picture in a, a, after another of people using their microphones the wrong way. It's mind-boggling. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Yeah. Pretty awful. And I see that guy screaming into the mic several <laughs> times in a day. No. Yeah, we all know the one. Yeah. Or, or, or the baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, like the hell? <laughs> we got to do better, man. We got to do better. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> there's gotta be a better way yeah um so why do you think the quality of the audio matters in a podcast what do you think that does for specifically the branded podcasts but in general it just feels better to listen to somebody who sounds good that it is just definitely does, a good point you know and <laughs> yeah. there's all kinds of articles you can read about the psychology of you sound smarter when you sound better, you sound more trustworthy when you sound better. So it's not about manipulating people, but if you're in sales, if you're doing any sort of presenting, if you're speaking to your team once a week, it's like if you're spending more than three hours a week on Zoom and you are not just like a admin person, you know, then buy a microphone, right? Like it will... 100% help everything that you're doing, but especially with podcasting and audio, it's such a psychological thing. But even when you're scrolling, you know, doom scrolling on the networks, you know, those reels on Instagram that have some guy that's like, you should have never been hurt. I'm like crying immediately. I'm like, no, I wasn't, you know, like <laughs> versus the person who's talking into their phone. It's just a different kind of depth and emotional grab. And and it, mm -hmm. it's very obvious that you need one in an audio drama or something like that. But even in a business podcast, especially if your guest is not going to be on a microphone, if you sound even more buttery, smooth, a voice of Godish, mm -hmm. then it makes you even more of the authority and it makes you sound even smarter. And so I just think um, 
it's just really important if you're representing for your business. If you're just doing a podcast about the show The Nanny with your girlfriends and you're drinking wine, you're doing it over <laughs> Zoom, you know, cool. Not mad. I would watch that show. <laughs> it exists, actually. I, yeah, okay. It exists. Yeah, they were clients of mine a few years ago. They did one of my, oh like, my trainings, God. and I was like, oh, this is a great show, and, like, who cares if you're using mics or not, because it was for them, <laughs> right? It was just for them. But if you're representing your business, mm -hmm. especially if your average client spend is 10 grand or more, and oh, yeah. you're not professionally producing your podcast, it might actually be working against you. Those janky lives, that branding that's all over the place, you interviewing people that has nothing to do with you, all of that can just really work against you. Like, so, you know, instead of going after the shiny object, have, have more quality and intention with what you're doing. Yeah, that makes so much sense. When you're speaking with a client that's brand new, is how do you advise them? Is that basically what you tell them? <laughs> I do. I tell them you got to get a microphone. I, mm -hmm. I, you know, I play hardball. But with beyond that as well. I mean, like, what, what would you tell them for branding for, you know, who they're interviewing for the type of show that they put together? You know, oh. what, what do you advise new clients to think about when they're putting oh, together sure. a branded podcast? Um, what it, number one wants to go, what does success actually look like? Yeah. Uh, cause uh, that sometimes is the last thing people think about and they just think about, well, what is popular? What do people want to hear? What, what is, you know, what other people on LinkedIn are doing is and it's working for them versus well, why are you interviewing these people? How does that impact you? So I always say, let's start at the beginning. Let's let's define what success looks like, and then let's think about it. Because you know, if you're trying to be famous, then then you do care about being new and noteworthy, and you got to put a bunch of paid ads behind your stuff to get those downloads up. That's just how it is, you know. If you're using it as a business development tool, then the guest is more important than the audience. And you don't care if that podcast gets five downloads or 5,000 because you're forging the relationship with the person across the table. And so our tactic is to be far more intentional about um, who you're interviewing. So I say identify 12 people who can move the needle in your business this year and interview them. You're better off doing 12 targeted podcast episodes and that's it for the year than recording 119 of them with no real direction, no purpose, no CTA, and no runway. Because if you're interviewing people that you don't want to do business or partner with, with a branded podcast specifically, you're wasting your time and your money. In my opinion. That's such a good point. Yeah, yeah. And I will say that a lot of the reasons why I do this podcast is to get to know the people who I'm interviewing. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to listen. Quick question. Do you know anyone else who could benefit from hearing more about how powerful sound can be? If so, would you mind sharing this podcast with them? It would mean so much to me. Now I'll stop interrupting and let you get back to the show. I find that that's a great way to make friends and make contacts and, and totally. get to know industries better that I may not necessarily have had any particular contact with until that very moment. <laughs> so, yeah, it is really important. And uh, and I can well imagine how a client would receive that. I think it would be very good advice. <laughs> it's funny. You always see the, the, the wheels are and they're like, yeah, of course. And then, and then they're already got six names in their head written in this list. They yes. just needed a tiny bit of guidance, mm -hmm. right? You know, and we're yeah. all there. You know, I, you can't read the label from inside the jar, right? And so <laughs> that's a good it's one of my favorite <laughs> quotes, right? Because it's so even in my own business, I'm like, someone help. 
So, yeah. someone help me get some clarity because I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And then other times I know exactly what I'm doing, but getting that third party perspective can be really helpful. So a lot of times having that initial conversation and then we do an hour long strategy call as part of our onboarding so that we can really dial in on like, okay, let's make sure. Okay. Then we're not going to worry about, you know, uh, reels because your clients aren't on Instagram. Let's really do three horizontal social shares and let's, let's talk about the runway. So I believe in the three pillars of any content marketing uh, plan, right? And it's strategy, production, and amplification. You got to have a strategy for sure. Production, don't worry about the production, hire somebody else. People spend too much time on production, it still sounds terrible, and they've wasted all their time. They didn't put enough time on the strategy or the uh, amplification. Hire yeah. somebody to do the production. It's not worth it, right? I work with Atlantic Council. They're a think tank that have been around since the 70s. They have a full AV department. They hire us for their podcast because their AV department is just audio and video. It's not show notes. It's not graphic design. It's not the blog post. And they There's know- There's a lot more involved. It, yeah. It, it would have to go to so many different departments. It would take four months for an episode yeah. to get done. So <laughs> even the biggest organizations with hundreds of employees and entire AV departments still hire us to do the production. So that kind of gives you an indication if you're a solopreneur, right, or a small company, that's probably a good idea for you too. Yeah, and it's then a that, lot. And, then and I have help too, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, because it's it's really, it's even me, it's hard to keep up with my podcast episodes and I, I own a podcast production company for crying out loud. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. And then amplification, you know, it's not, you know, with a branded podcast, the way that we, you know, work with our clients, it, the amplification is not about posting it on social media. It's about emailing the person next week and saying, thanks for being on my podcast. Here's three graphics. By the way, would you like to be on my board of directors? By the way, I'd love to get a meeting with you next week. By the way, would you speak at our next thing? That's the runway. That's the amplification. It doesn't matter. The LinkedIn and social proof is just icing on the cake. The relationship is the cake right? And so now you've done this great interview, the gift of reciprocity, you do this great intro, you have a great conversation, you really show how smart you are, you know. And I was hearing the birds there before, which was really nice. It's my dog. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was really hoping that they would Oh, I just saw one out of the corner. Yeah. I got four of them, so it's only oh, a matter of time. Yeah. yeah, so if you see me mute and it looks like I'm yelling, it's because I actually am. It's my signature move on podcasts these good. days. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, so it's all about that amplification and creating the runway to work with people again and doing a great intro. I mean, if I, you know, you show up on a podcast and somebody does a two minute intro, mm -hmm. you're going to, and then you have a great conversation. You're going to want to do something for that person. You're going to want to make that introduction. You're going to, you're going to think of them positively. And so 12 very focused podcasts can drive so much revenue in your business you know, and then the social assets are just, just icing on the cake. You know, they're great, but that's not the, that's not the real magic. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time.